This podcast is brought to you by the Dunfield Retirement Residence, a casually elegant retirement community located at Young and Eglinton in the heart of Midtown Toronto. Customized living options complement your independent, active lifestyle. Learn more at thedunfield.com. playing basketball, eating, enjoying our company, we have to remember that this is for a greater goal, and we're calling for the return of all the hostages. That's what it sounded like a few Sundays ago in the gymnasium of a Toronto public school, where newly arrived Israeli families enjoyed a free afternoon of basketball, pizza, toys. It was all thanks to organizer Yair Spiller, a student at York University. He wanted to help the Israeli children especially, whose parents have brought them to Canada temporarily after the terrorist attack of October 7th, to get them out of bomb shelters, away from air raid sirens, and get a break from a country at war. Since October the 7th, nearly 900 Israelis have come to Canada so far, most to Toronto, but also to Montreal, to Ottawa and Winnipeg. Many arrived as tourists, not as refugees. And while the majority say they're staying here temporarily, one family's decided this is the last straw that no matter how high-tech or world-renowned the Israeli military was, October 7th showed they could never really be safe. I don't have the, imag- you know, the imagination of the, the, the walls. It's, it's everything is open. They can do it like any time. So what's stopping them from doing it again? Because we will not eliminate Hamas entirely. It's like it's not possible. And, you know, someday, one year, five years, ten years, we don't know. It could happen again. I'm Ellen Bessner. And this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Thursday, December the 7th, 2023, the first night of Hanukkah. Welcome to the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, sponsored by Metropia. I've spent a lot of time in the last few weeks meeting up with Israeli families who've come to Canada since October 7th. On today's show, you'll hear from several of the families I met. They all can't say enough about the assistance they've received from the Jewish community. First up, meet Maya Tobin-Gonen. She's in Ottawa. She's an interior designer who lives in Moshav Nativ HaAsara. It's the closest Israeli community to the northern end of the Gaza Strip. And on October 7th, Hamas paragliders flew over the border wall and attacked and murdered over 20 of her neighbors and friends. She'll tell you how she and her husband and two children survived. Her parents live in Ottawa. They opened their home to her and the kids. Her husband, Gilad, remains behind in Israel for military duty. Hi, thanks for having me. It's good to meet you. You're sitting where exactly? Whose home are we speaking from? Um, I'm in Ottawa at my parents' house. Did you grow up in this house? Um, I think the answer would be yes and no. My parents made Aliyah when I was really young, when I was three. So I grew up in Israel, and then my parents actually moved back here when I was 16. My final teenage years I did here. Um, I went to university in Toronto, and then eventually moved back to Israel after traveling for a while. So You were married, and you stayed and raised your family so far in Israel, right? Yes. Okay, tell me who's in the family and who's with you in Canada. So our family, we have two kids. I'm married to Gilad who is currently in Israel right now. Uh, He's doing his military service like most of the Israeli uh, men currently. And I came to Canada with the kids. So I have Svi, who is uh, seven today. And I have Roni, who is four and a half. And we have a dog that unfortunately right now is in 
a kennel and someone's taking care of him, but he's also in Israel right now. That's our little family. So what were you doing on October 7th? So we've been living on a moshav called Netiva uh, Asara. It's actually the closest town to the border. Started, I think, at 6.30. I was actually in the bomb shelter with my son. So my husband came into the bomb shelter with my daughter, you know, closed the door. We're, we're very used to it. So, you know, sirens are going off. And at around 4.30, we hear a very strong knock on the door. It was my brother-in-law. We hear Gilad's brother screaming, Gilad, open the door. It's Ariel. His brother's in uh, the army. And basically in the morning understood that something bad is happening. He put on his uniform, got all his soldiers and just drove to come and save us, basically. Uh, there was already like soldiers outside and they told us, grab your stuff and go. And we literally grabbed only the kids, more or less, and left without anything. Um, so we put the kids in the back seat. We told them, you're not putting your seatbelts on. You have to cover your eyes until Ima and Abba, mom and dad, tell you that you can uncover your eyes. That's definitely a sight I'll, like, I'll never forget the driving out of our community. It looked like a scene from like military movies, you know, like fire everywhere and smoke and unfortunately also, you know, dead bodies on the side of the road. Uh, we decided to go up to where my husband's parents live, which is in more of the center, central part of Israel. So between going to your in-laws and coming to Ottawa, Connect me with that. How did that decision get made? So we ended up going to my in-laws and we were there for a few days. And already on that Saturday, my husband got something which is called Savshimone. So we understood that he's going to have to go. And I was right. not in the best uh, state of mind. And like, I didn't want to be alone and I didn't want to be alone, you know, the kids. And uh, I think also my parents being... Canadian that they were begging us to come to Canada. And I think also the first days after Saturday, no one knew. I mean, people still don't know what's going on, but no one knew what's going on. And we were really scared that it's going to get really bad, really fast. So I talked to my sister who just moved to Canada with her family a few months ago. And she said, I'll get you a flight. I'm calling everyone I know. We'll get you guys out of there. So very quickly, I think about, I think we flew out on October 12th. We took three flights, <laughs> we and the kids, left in Romania for a night. Like, which I think, I think we traveled for about two days and ended up in Canada. There was a whole thing, issue behind that too, because when we left on Saturday, we didn't leave with our passports or anything. We had nothing on us. So getting into Canada was quite complicated, to be honest. You didn't take um, the military evacuation flight? No, because the military evacuation flight was set to be only on the 19th. But uh, I just, I couldn't wait that long. And then what is it? So how did the kids get uh, to school and, and or how, how it's been arranged? Just some of the sort of things you're, you're able to do while you're here. Um, so the community was amazing. I think about a few days after we arrived, we understood that we're going to be here for a while and that the kids need some sort of, you know, they, they need to be in, in school. They need to have friends. They need to have a normal day and uh, schedule. We reached out, my, my sister, because uh, they send their kids to the JCC daycare. 
So my sister reached out to Risa, who was in charge, and Risa right away basically said that Wani, my daughter, is more than welcome to come and they'll make all the arrangements and everything and just show up, no questions asked, open hands, everything above and beyond, really everything that they could do and help and make us feel welcome. And I think about two days later, my mom ended up uh, writing the school and also right away, they were like, just show up, come, <laughs> let's meet you. I, we, we showed up and he, like, even the day of, they're like, he's, Sabia's more than welcome to even start now. And they gave us the tour and the school has been amazing. Um, they're not charging you, right? No, they're not. <laughs> On top of also the Jewish community and the schools being so amazing and and communicating with us nonstop and talking to us and updating us on the kids and everything. Also, the um, Israeli community here have been amazing. I mean, we showed up and within two days we had bags and bags of clothing and because we came with nothing. Like we showed up with sandals <laughs> to Canada. So the community has been amazing. Like even now, like we had to at some point say like, <laughs> we're good. We don't need any more clothes, you know, pass it on to whoever needs, uh, you know, it makes you understand the importance of the Jewish community outside of Israel and the connection and the, you know, the, I don't know what the word is exactly, like the wanting Israel Arivim's Elazer. Yeah, yeah, and you feel Whoever it. Every Jew is responsible for it. Exactly, because in Israel, you feel it. Like, there was no doubt about it. The first dates, it was just incredible. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. You know, everyone was helping everyone. It was just, the, you know, the one good thing that came out of this thing was definitely that. Um, but you feel it here, too. And it, it makes you feel really good. Your kids were in the school in Ottawa when they had the bomb threat? Uh, yeah, my son, yeah. How did that play out? And how do you feel about, like, you came to Canada to be safe, and then this yeah. happened in Ottawa? When I picked him up, there was a lot of uh, police, and it was obvious to me that, you know, there was something going on. It was no doubt about it. But it's a horrible feeling. Like, I mean, I've been talking about it with my friends and also my friends from Israel. They're like, well, do you feel safe in Canada? Like, don't you want to be in Israel where you're safe? It's like crazy to think. Every time I hear about something going on in Canada, it like breaks my heart. There's a lot of questions. Like also after that day, I wrote someone I met who's Israeli who sends her kids to school in the same school. And I wrote her and I said, listen, I don't know if I should send them. I mean, that's exactly the thing. I came all the way here to make sure that my kids at least can be safe, that I can sleep at night and that I can send them and not think twice about sending them to school. And that's not the case. I mean, I think something very bad is happening within the community here. And it, to be honest, makes me even more want to live in Israel. <laughs> Are you eventually, do you want to go back to Israel? Like how long do you plan to stay in Ottawa? I don't know. It's a tough question be honest. Um, it's hard to think that far ahead of also going back and going back to the Moshav. I don't think be able to go back to the way it was. There's no way. So I don't know where we'll go back. Uh, it's not easy to be here, but not all of us here. I think if my husband was here, maybe we would have said, okay, let's just stay here till the summer and then decide. And, you know, but that's not the case. And as time goes on, I mean, we'll have to make tough decisions and decide what we're going to do. 
While Tobin Gonan is planning to stay in Ottawa only through the end of December and then reconsider, Tel Aviv resident Maya Trattenberg-Madar and her family have gone back to Israel after five weeks of a respite in Toronto. She came by herself with a four-and-a-half-month-old baby and his two older brothers. She'd considered going somewhere closer, like Cyprus, where other Israeli friends are waiting out the war. But she had a friend in Toronto, and she's been to Canada many times because her mother grew up in Quebec before marrying her Israeli father and converting to Judaism. And of course, they visited Niagara Falls and dressed up for their first ever Halloween. We were going to try to meet when you were staying in Canada temporarily, but uh, you went back to Israel. So here we are, thanks to the magic of technology. (laughs) Yes, amazing. So happy to be, even if it's far away. So tell us a little bit about how you ended up uh, staying for a while in Canada. So my mother is Canadian, so technically I'm Canadian, so I have a Canadian passport. Um, So the whole thing started, I am a mother of three boys. One is six months now, uh, and one is eight, almost, and ten. My husband is a hairdresser here in Tel Aviv. Uh, We just came back from France on the 6th of October, Friday night and Saturday morning was the whole thing that started. I'm with a four and a half months year old baby that cries most of the days. <laughs> I felt the urge because my middle son, Asaf, who's almost eight years old, has a lot of anxiety around these alarms. Everyone has an anxiety, but he literally has like small panic attacks, you can say, every time there, were, there is an alarm. Um, and my baby, you know, is four months and running in the night to the shelter downstairs was a nightmare. After two days, I looked at my husband. I said, listen, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to stay. I want to go with them somewhere. But my husband couldn't come with me because he has his business here in Tel Aviv. And, you know, it's practically declaring dead the business if he travels away. So I understood that I need to fly alone and by myself with the, the three boys. I'm Canadian. So I have, you know, a citizenship. Uh, My aunt lives in Ottawa and my best friend lives from Israel, moved to Toronto three years ago. It started, and it's important to say, because of my best friend and my aunt uh, and because I knew there was a good health system. Because, you know, when you have three kids, you want to go to a place that if something happens, you're going to have a good health system to take them, take good care of them. So that was how I started and how I got and arrived to Toronto that that was my knowledge. I didn't know anything about the Jewish community. I didn't know anything about, you know, anything basically about Toronto, except my best friend lives there and my aunt is five hour drive away. And she came to meet me when I arrived there. You land in Toronto. How do you get organized? Okay, so I land in Toronto. My best friend lives in Toronto. She comes to pick me up and I go to her house. My aunt, she came to Toronto to my best friend's house and she said, listen, it's funny because she's not Jewish and um, she knew immediately and she had this gut feeling that I have to be to work very close with the Jewish community in Toronto. There is this organization called Jaius. They're going to help. You have to be involved. You have to be involved. I, I didn't take it seriously because I didn't really understand yet the power and, and the, the, of, of this community. But, you know, I said, OK. Um, and after six or seven days, I got reached out by many schools uh, that said, listen, bring the kids. So we went, I went with my two kids. I went to Robbins and I went to Bialik South. I told my kids, listen, you pick whatever feels, you know, good for you guys. I'm with you. And they said, listen, we feel good at Bialik. I said to Bialik, 
I'm happy to have my kids here. Um, they just opened their doors. You know, it wasn't, I didn't have to do anything that's a lot of bureaucracy. You know, Canadians usually are very strict. They have these processes. They're not very agile, exactly. Um, and what they did was kind of Israeli. That's what's funny about it. Because Israel knows how to be agile. You know, things change and you see all the time. We have to think fast and we're going to figure it out afterwards. So how did it work for them at school? How did that... I have to say it was incredible. The experience of walking in the first day of school, it, it was really important for me to, just to tell you because people were hugging us and hugging them and said, listen, we're here for you. Anything that you need. And we walked and it was, you know, we did a tour in school. So each teacher came out, you know, they saw us. So they came out of class and hugged us and said, listen, take my phone number. Come to Shabbat dinner. We want to be with you guys. So I, I, I walked out and I cried. I called my, my, my husband. I said, listen, I, I forgot how much I need a hug. That's amazing. And where did they, where did they, where did you end up living for the so five weeks? So I was searching for an Airbnb. But Airbnb is super expensive because Airbnb is not supposed to be a monthly thing, right? So I, I had this idea and I said to my, my friend, listen, I, I'm kind of starting to understand this, com this Jewish community here is big. And I said to her, listen, maybe we should just reach out. Let's write to these owners of Airbnb and saying, you know, let's tell the story and see if they're willing to, you know, reduce the price. So it's going to be affordable for me to live. Um, one of them came back and said, listen, your story is exactly like my sister's story. And he writes that his sister is, lives in Israel right now with her three kids. And she came. So I immediately I felt the connection. He said, of course, just come in and, you know, we're going to figure it out. It was a basement apartment. Beautiful basement apartment, I have to say. Uh, and a huge playroom for my kids. They had kids of their own. So my kids and their kids were playing together every day. And it just felt like a huge family. So they were in school. You had the baby all day. What did you do? So, yeah. So first of all, it took me about two and a half weeks to settle. You know, after I figured out how to do lunch boxes in Canada, because it's a thing of eating lunch in school, right? So these are also things that I'm not used to, you know. It takes me an hour each morning just to prepare their lunch boxes. So after all of that, you know, just figuring out how you get out of the house in, in minus two and not freeze to death, uh, someone told me about J the, the JCC and said, listen, JCC, they know that, they know that Israelis came and they're willing to give free memberships um, and they have a lot of activities. You should go and, and check it out. So I went one day, I was mind blown because I had, first of all, so many activities to do with my baby. They have like activities and these, you know, music classes and everything and like a little place to, to play and other mothers. Because in Israel, usually you meet them outside because we're outside all the time because it's hot. But, you, you know, when I was in Canada, I, I didn't know where can I meet mothers with babies um so i went there i went there even with my sons and they went to to swim uh in a in you know a pool that is heated because in israel we don't have that <laughs> the pools are freezing in winter it's unbelievable so it was even just experiencing that with them so you stayed five weeks yeah when did yeah. You, you went back what day did you go back a few days ago i'm still i'm still jet lag so um, why did Monday. you decide that it was time and safe to go back First of all, being away from their father was hard. The, the, you know, it was hard for us and hard for him because even staying in Israel alone, 
And this situation is, is completely depressing. Like you're here, there's a war, you don't know what's going on. So he was having a lot of, you know, difficulties and we had difficulties. And I said to my husband, listen, I'm going back, but I know where I'm going to come back if something happens or not. You know, like I, my mom came, I didn't say that, for five days to visit me at one, one point. And she's Canadian, right? She's from Montreal. She knows Canada. She was mind blowed by the community of Toronto. Everything felt Israeli, Jewish, you know, you walk and you go to the JCC and all of Bathurst. It's, it was the amount of it, Jewish schools around is unbelievable. So it was just, it felt so good. Like in the community was so strong. And it's interesting because my sister lives in Boston and people here in Israel have the perception that, you know, the U.S., the Jews in the U.S., you know, they're strong, they're in, you know, political influence. They are. But my sister is in the worst place you can think of, right? She's in MIT and her husband's in Harvard. What they're experiencing, they're scared of speaking Hebrew in the streets. And it's something that I, I, I've been five weeks in Toronto. I, I wasn't scared for a second. And I think it's, it's, it's meaningful. You know, I just felt safe. And I don't even exactly know why, but I just felt safe. Yeah, because I was just wondering, like, there were Palestinian protests. People were throwing, um, defacing the Indigo store. Yeah. No, when, when we heard about this school in Montreal, we had, like, a moment. We said, wait, you know, there was, it's kind of scary what happened in Montreal. But it's not like what's going on in Boston. Because that was, like, my comparison. Because I said, listen, it's... I feel, I really, I felt safe. Like, I don't know exactly why. Because, you know, Israelis, were used to being threatened all the time, okay? It's not like I live, you know, and I live in Israel. So, you know, still, I, I felt, what I felt in school, what I felt walking to my Starbucks every morning to get my coffee on Bathurst, I felt, I felt fine. So you never decided that you want to actually move to Canada now, right? no. And for a few reasons. First of all, my husband can't live in a country that has less than 10 degrees in winter. <laughs> so it, it starts from there. Um, but it's funny. It's like I felt like I found my second home, not my first home. And my first home is Israel and will always be. You know, it's just I love Israel. I'm Israeli. I think it got stronger a lot to a lot of people here. Because at first people were getting away, but I think afterwards people understood that this is our home and we're going to fight for it. We're going to live and die here for, for life. A lot of people just feel that now. But I felt like I found my second home. While the two families you've just heard haven't given up on Israel, that's not the case for Gabi and Galit Uzan from Ashkelon. The Uzans and their two children waited out the October 7th attacks and the rockets in their bomb shelter for three days, then they evacuated north to stay with other families from their neighborhood. They then tried Portugal, but Galit's aunt, who lives in Richmond Hill, Ontario, begged them to come here. And while Gabi Uzan continues to work remotely for his Israeli company, because he's an IT specialist, he spent weeks sending out resumes and doing job interviews to try to land a position here in Canada. His wife has been a stay-at-home mom. She liked to retrain and improve her English. 
We're here in Toronto at the temporary home for, of Gabi and Gali Uzan. Welcome to Toronto. Welcome to the CJN Daily. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Nice to have you here. Nice to meet you. Yeah, it's nice to have you. We're having coffee in their temporary quarters. How long have you been in this, uh, in this house for? Uh, we arrived on the 27 October. We came to Toronto to my aunt and my uncle's house. And then uh, after a few days, we just got this house with the help of Jayas and other Israeli people. And we were able to get it for free for three weeks period. And maybe you can tell us a bit before we talk about your Canadian experience and how it's been to go back a little bit and just introduce yourselves. So we live in Israel, in Ashkelon. I born actually on, uh, in Russia, in Tajikistan. I live in Israel uh, 35 years. All, all the drama starts in 7 of uh, October. 6.30 in the morning, yes. Yeah. And the bombing started a lot louder than usual. Sad I mean, to Ashkelon say, usual. normally gets Ash- a lot of Ashk- rockets. Yeah, Ashkelon right? in the last four it. years, it's the most bombed city in Israel right now, sadly. It's our first time that we sleep in Mamad. Yeah. Me and Gabi, because uh, all of the previous situations, the children uh, sleep in Mamad and uh, we not. But in the 7th of October, it's a very scary bombs and uh, We had terrorists like invading Ashkelon south and, um, and on the third date, our big girl, Gaia, she's nine and a half. You know, she just broke down and she started crying nonstop and she wanted to get out of there. And you have family in Canada. Like, how did it get from the point that you're sitting and sleeping in your safe room until you decided to make the flight out of Israel? So like after three days, I think it was the 10th of October, we, uh, some of her friends and family told her, listen, there's a kibbutz in the north. We can come. They're very amazing people. And this is what we did. We did it. We went north. Uh, we've been there for like nine days with other families. They did some activities for the kids. And but again, when you're still in Israel and you're everybody's, you know, talking about it, watching the news, so you're constantly having this feeling all over you, and it's a big burden. My gut feeling told me, listen, you need to take it out because it was just, you know, the first week, even not. So, and, you know, I just, they said the word war, it's so different than like operation Mivtsa. It's like, you know, it's, it's, it's on a different scale. And I was very afraid that, you know, all of the country will be involved, not just the South. How do you guys feel about this after so many years of living in Eretz Israel that this situation made you decide that's it? You know, I'm not a person who wants to hold a weapon or trying because right now in Israel, everybody just, I want to get a weapon license. I want to get a weapon license. And you just felt the bloodlust. It was just crazy. And and it's scary because, you know, we're not Texas. We're not used to it. It's not, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, it's something that, you know, Israeli doesn't have. You have the police, you have the army, but you're, 99% of the people are not doesn't have weapons at home yeah Yeah. and like 30 percent turned into ones and that's even scarier because you don't know what the future will bring 
מה השתנה? למה פתאום עכשיו עשינו את זה אחרי כל מה שעברנו עד היום בארץ ישראל? that actually now, דווקא now, and be, after everything that's happened and living in Israel, this was different. כי פשוט נשבר האמון במדינה שלנו. The, I don't know. Your, your trust in the country is broken. בממשלה. And in the government. שפשוט לא היה שם אף אחד. It took them like six hours or something. Yeah. It was... So when the terrorists came, yeah. the response was too long. Delayed, there was no one there. Yeah. The moment they, Thank you know, you. went inside... Our country, not just bombing from afar, but just they got to Ashkelon on foot by sea. I told her, okay, so let's buy tickets to Canada. And this is because her aunt started calling. How are you doing? Please come. It's safe here. What are the obstacles that uh, Israelis have to face when they want to just come? You came as tourists or you came yeah. as like work? How does that work? Tourists. We don't have... Uh... Nothing from government, like Ukraine people. Uh, refugees. Refugees. We don't have uh, the life status. Yeah, like status. Does. Yeah. So it's very hard. So we need something to stay here. And like a tourist status, it's for nothing. <laughs> yeah, because you can't get a job or anything. Yes. And Jais are amazing and a lot of people are amazing and they give us a lot of things and they contribute and, you know, brought us into their homes and have uh, a Friday night, the Shabbat, the Kiddush and everything. So the, the people are amazing, but the problem is the, um, you know, the regulations and the rules in Canada, which make, makes it a lot harder for Israeli people specifically uh, to try and get a, a job and maybe stay here. It's not just now, but even before um, when Israelis would come and claim refugee status, the Canadian government would say, why? It's a democracy. It's an economically good country. This is a bit of a different situation now. Because we are Jewish. I don't know if it's that. That used to be how it was in Canada in the, in the Second World War. That was true. They didn't allow Jews in as refugees. But now it's because it's a developed country. It's not like Sudan or, you know, uh, whatever, Ethiopia or even Iran. Take me back a little bit to when you first got here. What was your, in your mind when you landed here? Do you remember? Yeah. So we, we landed, we got out of the airport. We saw our uncle. Everybody was very happy. We went into the car and, start dri- and he started driving. It was like sunny and yellow and orange and like a lot of colors and reds and the leaves and everything. And like after five minutes, we just look at each other like in anime, I love anime, just like in an anime and just see the sparkle in our eyes. And we just, just knew that, you know, we want to stay here. Talk to me about how your kids are adjusting. They go to associated school, a Hebrew school. And they, they have a lot of fun there. Do they, do they speak English at all? Or? No. Uh, no. But they wake up every morning excited to go to the school. And they have a new friend. They love the lessons. You know that there's a lot of anti-Semitism in Toronto and in Canada. Have you noticed it? So because, you know, all of our efforts were directed to, the, to stay here, so we're not leaving the house very much. Usually to friends, uh, when we meet along the way, family. But most of the time, I'm in front of the computer trying to email, to talk, to message, to Facebook. 
And, um, so, you know, this is the reason I don't, I think, I feel that we didn't feel it very much. And, um, as far as yourself, so if they offer you something yeah. here, then will that change your decision? Like, otherwise you said you have a plane ticket. On the 25th. Yeah. Uh, of November. Of November. Right yeah. Before. This Saturday. And we don't want to go back. We even asked the kids, you know, we told them yesterday, listen, daddy didn't get the job and, you know, and they were like, what? We want to stay. Yes. Yeah. Very depressed. We, we have the option to stay and just, you know, forget about the tickets and everything. But again, everything is so expensive and we don't have any income. I'm trying to still work remotely with Israel right now. And I'm doing that in the morning. But again, even seven o'clock when I start my day here, it's two o'clock in Israel. So it's already most of the day off. So you're still with the company that you were yes, with before. Yes, and it was in, this and is it was our only Tel income, Tel Aviv, our only income right now. But again, it's it's not even covering rent. So we have mortgage, mortgage. you have you know insurances and everything. Very stressful. How can the Canadian Jewish community or even the non-Jewish people that are listening uh, help you? Um, you know, what do you need? What can we do? Okay, so again, from our perspective, we, we don't want to get like, you know, charity money because it's, it's good that you have, you know, good people listening and everyone's trying to help. But again, without LMIA, it's only, tem- only temporary and we're just postponing and I can, you know, miss my job in Israel in that process. So, you know, everything is just temporary and we want to stay here for good. We want to raise our kids here. And so I think the best thing to, is to give us right now, if it's possible, is just an LMIA option and we can prove ourselves with our skills and, and everything that we learned over the years. Because right now it's not quiet and... Yesterday night, we put the kids to bed and like Gaia woke up after four minutes and she was crying. And I, I didn't know why, like hysterically. And I told her what happened. I saw all of the, you know, I saw visions, I saw images and it, it's not over. It's like, it's, it's, you know, in their head, they're not out of it and they're still bombing in Israel. Yesterday was a bad day. You know, I saw she couldn't stop crying for like 40 minutes. That's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Just an update now on the Uzans. When I met them, they were about to admit defeat and fly back to Israel. But a job offer came through, and they're staying. They've all moved into a house owned by some generous snowbirds who are away in the sunny south until the spring. And before we end, remember the basketball party that I talked about at the opening of our episode with... The organizer, Yair Spiller, well, he and his Junity Sports Organization are trying to do something really big to help Israelis. He's now working to raise $80,000 to bring Israeli teens here in January, kids whose parents have been killed by the Hamas attack or while serving in the IDF. They'll go to some NBA basketball games in Toronto, New York, and Washington, where Israeli star Denny Avdija plays. To learn more about the project, check out the link in our show notes. On behalf of producer Zachary Kaufman and the entire CJN team, I'm wishing you a very happy Hanukkah. Thanks for listening to the CJN Daily. The Dunfield Retirement Residence offers customized living options to complement your independent, active lifestyle. Welcome home. Welcome to the Dunfield. Visit us at thedunfield.com to book a personal tour.